Our Old Testament reading tonight comes to us from the book of Genesis, chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. And the Lord appeared to him, that is Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. Where he saw them, when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, while I bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly to the tent, to, into the tent to Sarah, and said, Quick, three sayas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared, and he set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. And they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah, so Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading today comes to us from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, beginning at verse 21. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. This is the word of the Lord. And I invite you to please rise for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel reading this evening is taken from Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. 
Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. This is the Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated, and we continue uh, at this time with the message. He could have come in, it would have been fine. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is taken from the reading we just heard in the Gospel of Luke. We begin with the word of prayer. Almighty Father, we give you thanks that you have brought us here tonight to sit and to receive your gift. We pray this evening, O Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word, to see and learn what it is that you would have to give to us. And We pray, Lord, that we would listen in faith. This end, I pray, O oh God, that you would grant me and all of us your Holy Spirit, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you are ready for this tonight, but you are in a rather dangerous position, you see, because you are sitting down <laughs> right where Jesus wants you. He has you now in a place where he can finally say something to you and there's nothing you can do about it. You are now in a position where you can do nothing but sit. Now that's not entirely true. Some of you, as I told the church this morning, will be fighting for the next 15 minutes or so to, to stay awake. And that is something to do, I suppose. Uh, but none of you are leaving. No one's escaping at this point. There's literally six of you here and if you try and leave, we will all watch you. Okay? We will see you go. So you're going nowhere else. You're stuck right where Jesus wants you, sitting down in the position of a disciple. And it's not necessarily what you want. My guess is that you'd rather be busy. You'd rather be doing something, doing something impressive. You'd rather be performing or creating or, or receiving, you know, feedback, doing something that brings you feedback, because after all, that's what we are after, feedback, and not just any feedback. We want to be praised. We want to be acknowledged. We want to be seen for how hard we work, because when others notice how hard we work, it justifies our efforts. It justifies our busyness. We want our families to see how much we do for them. We want our bosses to reward us with better pay. We want our teachers to acknowledge the hard work we put into our papers. We want the people at church to pat us on the back and tell us how wonderful it is we do all of these things. We want to be noticed, appreciated, and praised. And nowhere is this more true than in the life of a disciple. There we all want to be noticed for what we do for Jesus. We want to make an impact on the kingdom. We want to hear on that last day from the Lord, well done, good and faithful servant, and we want to know that we earned that. And so we work for it. We work for it by engaging more deeply in our own personal piety. We, we develop stricter prayer disciplines. We go to church more often. We go to every Bible study we possibly can to prove to everyone that we are truly holy and we make sure everybody sees how many Bible studies we actually are going to. We give to the poor. We sacrifice our time, our talents, and our treasures. And you know, even if nobody notices this thankless work, thank you very much, uh, at least Jesus will notice, right? After all, I'm doing it all for him. He ought to be impressed with me. But not right now. Right now, you're not doing anything. 
You're just sitting beneath his word, and that's right where he wants you to be. And you think to yourself, but why here? After all, Sitting seems like nothing is being accomplished. It seems like there's so much to be done. There's so much more I could be doing on this Sunday night. I, I, could, I could be grocery shopping. I could be watching the Padres lose. I could be doing something tonight that's not just sitting in church doing nothing. Besides, I like to feel busy and not passive. After all, busyness for me is a badge of honor. And I'm, I'm saying this to you tonight. This is a very convicting thing that I am preaching even to myself. Uh, this evening but we are this way aren't we like the busier we are the more value we think we have and in fact this is the way that our culture thinks your value is based off your busyness a busy parent is a good parent a busy employee is an effective employee a busy church is a growing church busy is money busy equals value and boy am i busy and so we try to stay busy, to prove that we matter to our family, to prove that we matter to our job, to prove that we matter to our church. equals value. And then we begin to wonder why so many people are tired and burning out and frustrated and depressed. Because they believe they matter because of their busyness. And where this becomes a real problem is when we start to apply this thinking to our relationship with God. We start to think that in order to impress God, in order to make God pleased with me, in order for God to notice me, I need to perform. I need to perform to earn my place before God. Right? Wrong. No, this is why Jesus right now has you exactly where he wants you. Because he needs you to stop being busy. Simply sit and receive. And it's hard for us to hear because we love to be praised for our busyness. We actually, I think, worship to a certain extent our busyness. It has become an idol for us. And so Jesus needs us to stop and do nothing at all. He has us now sitting in a Sabbath rest position beneath his word where he has sent me tonight to preach the busyness right out of your ears and right out of your heart and to replace it with the Lord. Busyness for us is an idol, an idol that's ruining much that is beautiful in this world. There was a great poet uh, from the 20th century, W.H. Auden uh, was his name. And, and Auden says, one of the dangers of our time is that we have forgotten and lost the beauty of the virtues of how to pray and how to play. We don't know how to enjoy the creation for its own sake. We don't know how to stop working simply to trust God because we're far too addicted to our own performances. And we're far too afraid of what will happen if we stop because we think our own world depends on us. And such thinking actually demonstrates, I think, a lack of faith in God. Lack of faith in God, the one on whom the world actually does depend. But we're frustrated by such a thought, especially when we try and sort of make all of our work and all of our busyness holy, saying, you know, but actually I do all of this for the glory of God. I do it all for his glory. Well, so did Martha. Just think about that night where Martha did everything for Jesus. She had Jesus over for dinner. She welcomed him into her home, and she was busy, the text tells us, with much preparation. When we look at Martha, from our perspective, from our cultural perspective, 
Martha looks to us like the ideal disciple, working hard, blood, sweat, and tears, busyness, all for the sake of Jesus, working hard, making preparations, all for Jesus, quite literally for Jesus who was coming to dinner at her house. The trouble with Martha was is that she was so focused on her work for Jesus that she missed one very important thing. Jesus, in her midst, her work was distracting her from Christ. Her busyness was getting in the way of listening to Jesus, and that's not where Jesus wanted Martha. He had something to say, and she simply couldn't listen. She was distracted with much serving. No time to pay attention to Jesus. She was too busy preparing for Jesus. And so we all kind of understand Martha, I think. In fact, I think we really do identify with Martha. We, we really uh, sort of empathize with Martha when we see her walk into the room. And I always picture her like working in the kitchen and she looks out through this window into the courtyard and there's, there's Mary and Jesus and the disciples and they're all laughing and learning and Jesus is saying all these insightful things. And Martha's like, you got to be kidding me. She's not doing any work, and I'm doing all the work. And you see her storm out there, and all of us understand what it's like when you walk into the kids playing video games, and you're like, you know, your mom needs help in the kitchen, and I've got a lot of sitting to do. Never mind, this is going somewhere else. But the point is, we get where Martha's coming from. So we understand it when she says to Jesus, Jesus, tell my sister to come and help me, because there's a lot of work to be done. We're doing all of this for you, and Mary's doing nothing. This was no time for Jesus. There was too much to do for Jesus. She needed Mary, in her own mind, to stop listening to Jesus and to help her. She needed her busyness to be appreciated. She needed her busyness to be acknowledged. And you know, a little thank you wouldn't hurt. So Martha went, and notice what Martha does then. She goes and does the worst thing possible. Martha goes and tries to take Mary away from Jesus. In all of this work for Jesus, she tries to take Mary away from Jesus. And this is a real danger for us, I fear. Especially for those of us who idolize our own busyness and idolize our own accomplishments. Too often these things get in the way of Christ. They get in the way of us listening and hearing what Jesus has to say to us. And it's all evidence, I think, that we probably just take ourselves and our work a little too seriously then that's not to say that we're not uh, uh, important in the eyes of God and it's not to say that the work we do isn't important in the eyes of God of course it's important of course it matters that's why God has given it to us to do but the problem is far too often we put so much weight on what we're doing we forget the God who is taking care of all things we take ourselves much too seriously to the point then that we even wonder, is it really worthwhile to go listen to his word? Is it really worthwhile to even go uh, to church and listen to another 15-minute God lecture and get a sip of wine and a piece of stale bread and think that that's actually going to accomplish something for me? Where's the cash value in that? Really, I should be looking to my own busyness. And you know, honestly, I don't really even need to go to church this week. I am such a busy person. I may as well take the morning off and just rest a little bit, sleep in. Because my busyness matters so much, I don't have time to get up and go and listen. But all of this sort of thinking is the language of the old Adam, the old Eve. 
that old sinful nature that won't leave us alone, that old sinful nature, that old Adam and Eve, which tells us, you know, what really matters is the work that you do because all the world depends on you. You are, after all, needing to become the God of your own life. And that is a word that needs to be silenced. That is a word from the old Adam and Eve that needs to be crushed. And what we need to do is simply sit and be reminded that we do not live by our busyness. In fact, we do not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I wonder very often if this is not why in the Old Testament God gives us the commandment for the Sabbath day. Remember your your catechism here, the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I wonder if Jesus doesn't give us that commandment to remind us that everything in this world does not depend on us, but it depends on him. And he takes our work away from us for one day so that we can finally look and recognize that he's the one taking care of everything. The world depends on him. He will provide for you. And what is more, once you finally stop working and you put on your Sunday best and you show up to church and sit and listen, he finally now has you where he wants you to be so you can recognize this. That everything you have depends on his work for you. And when he is speaking, when his word is being proclaimed, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters when Christ is present. And Jesus knows this. Jesus knows that we depend on his word. Jesus knows that our life is lived on everything that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus knows this, and so he will not let anything in this world take his word away from us. You might say he will not let Mary go over to Martha He will not let Martha have Mary. When Martha or the world or our own sinful flesh calls us away into our busyness, away from the word, Jesus gets up and he stands there and he says, no, they belong to me. I have purchased them with my blood and I have something to tell them and there's nothing that will take them away from me. So Jesus says to Martha, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her cannot have her. She's right where she needs to be. She's right where you need to be. Because Jesus says, I am here to give something to you. Jesus is saying, I'm here to give something to you that the world, so addicted to its own busyness and its own performance, simply will not and cannot give. Jesus comes to give you grace. Jesus comes to show up in your life to tell you that his love for you is the one love that is not based on your performance. It is the one love that is not based on your accomplishments or how hard you work. His love for you is based on his grace alone. And he loves you graciously. He comes to you where he has you sitting there now to tell you a word that the world can never tell you. He says to you, I forgive you for all of your sins. I forgive you in a way that is so different from the rest of the world. Because the rest of the world demands that you earn this forgiveness. But I have done all the work to forgive you. I died for you. I rose for you. I give it to you all by my grace, apart from your works. So Jesus is in essence saying tonight to Martha and to you and I, who are so addicted to our own busyness, you know, why don't you just stop for a minute and listen? Sit and join Mary, says Jesus, because I have something to say. You were distracted by many things that are not me. But Jesus says, I am not distracted. I am focused on you. 
I am focused on saving you. I am focused on forgiving you. I am focused on giving you everlasting life. I am focused on conquering Satan and defeating all of your enemies, for I am the God who saves, and I have saved you. I will provide for you in all of your work, and I give you much work to do, and there is much work to be done in this world, but simply understand this, that in all of your work, I have done everything necessary. Jesus says to you, in our relationship, you live in this relationship simply by grace alone. You have given me nothing. You don't really contribute much to this relationship except for something to forgive, says Jesus. So I've done that. I've forgiven you for everything. Stop trying to impress me, for you must know, says Jesus, I already love you perfectly, completely, eternally. We're saying again, Jesus says to you, I already love you perfectly, completely, and eternally. So that's why he's got you where he wants you. He can finally sit and hear that. He finally has you in a place where he can give you the gifts, forgive you of your sins, and remind you of his promise and reestablish his commitments to you. The Lord is not impressed by our busyness, so it's time for us to just stop and receive. In fact, we come to the altar tonight and we let Jesus do all the work. He's done all the dying, he's done all the rising for you, and now he's set to serve you. So time to, to come to the altar, stop and receive. Take and eat, take and drink the good portion, the forgiveness of your sins, the promise of Jesus' love for you, and the forgiveness and the gift of everlasting life. That is right where Jesus wants you to be. Amen. We pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, for the mercy that you have shown us through your Son, Jesus. And we pray tonight, Lord, that you would teach us what it means to stop and rest in your presence, to simply receive your word. Forgive us, O Lord, for allowing anything to distract us from your promises. And keep your word ever present in our ears and in our hearts. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. This time I invite you to please rise.